here again. <laughs> episode, one more episode. <laughs> episode eight. And this one is one of my favorites. This is pivotal in getting to know what in the world you're creating in your life. Because we're all creating something. Yeah. And it's important to point out a framework before we go into our the main topic of our podcast. And actually that topic is is stories, right? And how we write stories that create the life that we have. And we do it for mostly for ill sometimes, but when we when we recognize the pattern, we can do it for good. When my children come to me with a a situation that they complain about, whether it be their sibling or a friend, um, they will rattle off all these details about what's going on, and then I will say to them, is that a story or a fact? They and, hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, maybe a fact, Dad? <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. Would they verify that as fact? My oldest daughter will like look at me and be like, Dad, it's a fact. <laughs> you know, she's 14. <laughs> but when they are aware, they will pause and they'll say, it's a story. Yes, it's a story. So is it a story or a fact? The problem with a lot of the inputs that we receive from life is that we interpret them as facts when in fact they are stories. Yeah, almost everything we get in life is a story. I mean, you can't even rely on the news to tell you 100% fact because they're always spinning the truth. To make it more sensationalized. Yeah, I've heard recently, especially, uh, the news gives you facts, but they don't tell you the truth. So they tell right. you, but they use their facts to spin a story right. about what's happening to make you get fired up. Okay, so how does this apply to our lives? So I'm going to go back in time <laughs> and tell you the story of my life in under three minutes. <laughs> so my father died when I was 12, and that could be a whole nother podcast about death and grief. Okay, so fact. Dad died when you're 12. Dad died when I was 12. Dad had, um, dad told me a lot of experiences from his life as a child where he experienced adversity, pain, and struggle. He experienced the struggle of losing his older brother from can of cancer, um, from cancer, when my dad was 11 and my uncle was 12. And then I happened to be named after, my, my middle name is my uncle's name. Uh, so that, that, that uncle had a special place in my heart because I was his namesake. Furthermore, literally four years after his brother died of cancer, he contracted the virus polio and he was confined to a wheelchair. But he overcame those obstacles. He went to a prestigious university. He got his law degree. He married um, a wonderful lady, my mom. He had a number of children that are, and were all good, productive adults. And so you could say he had a wonderful life, despite the fact that he had these huge obstacles that occurred early on. And died young. And then he died at age 53. But he was beloved by those who knew him. People at church just thought he was wonderful. And when he died, there was just a big gaping hole in the congregation. People were just so distraught that he had passed away. There was a big gaping hole from in his uh, in his uh, among his coworkers. 
So this has got to leave a lot of tenderness in your heart. Yeah. Because when people we have, we know pass on, they become very angelic. Mm-hmm. Our memories of them are that they could have done no wrong. The halo effect. Right. Versus when we know people in their living form, the other story that's told is criticism. Mm-hmm. So how's that affected you? Well, the thing, at my dad's funeral, one of the speakers said to the congregation that he taught his children how to overcome adversity through his example of life. And so now we, his children, were sitting there at his funeral, grieving over his death, but there was this hope that we could overcome adversity and struggle. And for me, that that became interpreted to be, if I overcome difficult things, then on the other side of that difficult thing, I will be honored and respected and revered like my father was. That people will look at me like they looked at him and they will think, wow, he's overcome a lot. What a wonderful man. Mm -hmm. And that was the story that I was intent on creating. But what did that... Well, I remember, and remember, because I come from kind of a coaching perspective, by the time we had this conversation, it, I, I, you could say that my response to you looked a little jaded, that I wasn't super feeling. But one night we were having your conversation, and you were like, I just am afraid that I will lose you or one of the kids and have to overcome them that big, huge trial. And I said, is that your identity? Is your identity overcoming big trials? And then I said, how many of those do you need to overcome before you're willing to stop the story? Which was really interesting. Story or fact? Is this a story? How did that strike you? Well, one of the things that you said to me was, when are you going to stop wearing this trial like a badge of honor? Oh my gosh, there are so many people who wear their diseases life stories like a badge of honor and they will tell everyone just what they went through and how horrific it was and how they're still standing here today aren't they amazing Mm -hmm. and the question is i look at that and i still see pain i see reliving the trauma of that story every time you retell it and you're not healing you're not getting better the only people who have ever told those stories are those uh, motivational speakers where their their story is to help you get over yours. Yeah. Not to relive the the horrificness. It's definitely definitely not to relive it over and over and over again. Yeah. And a couple years ago, I had finally kind of made this declaration. Uh, actually, I think I made it on Facebook because a, a lot of my a lot of my Facebook friends are connected to my family in different ways and they uh and a lot of my mom's friends, I'm friends with on Facebook and they knew my dad and family members. And I basically said, I am going to stop mourning this every anniversary death date. Now, for those who have lost a loved one, the death date is a significant date in their lives. That's a date where they, they do really relive the day. And it's really, really sad. There is a mourning period that is 100% appropriate, important to live through and work through. Um, but you're basically saying that after 25 years of living that date over and over again, you're finally like, I'm ready to just celebrate dad and celebrate my life and basically celebrate my kids and my family. Yeah. 
thanks dad for everything you gave me. Yeah. And a lot of that came to a full focus for me when I realized that, uh, that my dad had been involved in my life in angelic form, uh, in countless ways, ways that I, I recognized ones that were very special and also in ways that I'm sure I have no idea that there was any intervention involved. But I'm like, why don't why not celebrate his his uh, his continued living on in heaven instead of his you know the the sadness of his passing, which in a lot of ways was merciful for him. But that's that's a whole different that's a whole different topic. The the thing is here creating this story that in order for me to be like my dad and be respected like he was, I had to overcome obstacle, obstacles meant that I was willing to create the next obstacle for me to overcome. So first critical question, since that very critical conversation that brought to your awareness that you were creating stories, how many times have you sat worried that you would lose me or one of our children to death? I stopped worrying about it. So not basically zero. Yeah. Like you were like, oh, great. And you just made a conscious decision. We're over. We're done with. Let's move we're on. Done, life. We're done with creating that potential story. But you weren't done creating obstacles for yeah. yourself. So you decided to create a new one. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. death related. Yeah, it was. It was financial death. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I joined uh, you on that one. <laughs> we went on a wild ride in the in the midst of saying, "Okay, I'm ready to let go of this story of of overcoming death." I literally said, okay, well now there's got to be a new obstacle to overcome. And that new obstacle was losing everything, was financial ruin. Now, fortunately, it didn't actually get to that point. <laughs> but I said, I made a declaration to Jenny at one point. I said, I am willing to lose everything if it means that we achieve our dreams on the other side of that You loss. said that, and I recall a conversation even before that where you were, you said, Jenny, wouldn't it be cool if I had this story where I just jumped off the cliff expecting to fly and I go clear down to the bottom and then I come back up? Wouldn't that be an inspiring story? And I said, oh, Stephen, did you just hear yourself? Are you really going to create that? And you laughed and you said, oh, ha ha, it's not really going to happen. And I said, um, unless you rescind your words, we have just joined you on a journey. And I will not abandon you, but we have just joined you on a journey. Are you sure about this? And you just laughed it off because you laughed it off, but you did not rescind your words. That journey happened. Yeah. And it wasn't just the idle words in that one moment, but it was something that I was thinking about. Like, you know, people say things all the time and they don't mean it. But in this case, I said something flippantly. But I sincerely meant it you because did. I had been thinking about it. So that's where <laughs> these stories come out is it's not only words, it's incredible desire intentions. in your body. Incredible intentions. I've had so many times where I've had a desire that was so deep and strong and all I did was ever send it up to God in a silent prayer and never spoke it. And I would get all those desires. Now, I can only think of positive experiences um, I can think of times where I would also say, wow, I can't even imagine how that would happen for that person. And then my father says, are you sure about that? Because I can have you really fully imagine it. And I was like, no, 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 sorry. I'm like, that's theirs. I'm going to let them own it. And I'm just going to support them on the journey. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all of us, let's, let's bring it back to you, the listener. 
all of us create stories about how life should be or ought to be. And we create our life experiences based on what we think should happen. Yeah. So you have the, the whole beginning of this episode is about all the big things you've gone through. Big, big things. And I know there are people who have experienced big things. But what about the little things? What about the little stories? They play out in a big way in our lives and we may not even know it. So I'm just going to give you a very muted down version of a story that is 100% applicable to my life and when I decided to start kicking that story to the curb. About the age of five, I had decided that the best way to keep mom and dad happy was to be as perfect as possible. And if I was ever not perfect or I got corrected by a teacher or a grandparent or my mom or dad, I would dissolve into a fit of tears because I was so disappointed that my attempt at perfectionism had just been thwarted and that they were no, they were pointing it out to me and I was now in trouble. Now, that's from the perspective of a child. The perspective of an adult is completely different in that situation, but as a child, that's what I lived. And then I started playing musical instruments and I took my perfectionism to my musical instrument. Well, in the process, I was slowly giving myself more and more anxiety over, over time because I would practice instruments and I would make mistakes at home and then I'd criticize myself for the mistakes and then try to do it perfect again. And so by the time I got to a performance, I would mess up. And it got to the point where I, I had been taking piano for years, I'd been teaching piano, and yet I can't seem to perform it very well. And there's nothing more embarrassing than a clarinet that squeaks in the middle of a concert. <laughs> so embarrassing. So embarrassing. So I took all that and I thought, okay, I'm just going to abandon all musical instruments. So I abandoned them for about 15 years. And But you also took that perfectionism into... That's exactly where I'm going with that. I took my perfectionism into my studies and it hadn't ever backfired with me when I was studying in my grade school years. I was able to get straight A's and be 100% fine, perfectionist, on a roll. Then I tried doing that in the university setting and it started to backfire on me. I was going from an A student to a C and D student because my anxiety was so bad that it was now affecting my testing experience. And like we've mentioned in a previous episode, it got to the point where I needed to have basically a disability pass to take my tests either with my teacher or in the room by myself. And then it got to the point where did they need to lift the test timing requirement so that I could take my test in whatever the time limit I needed versus the time limit the teacher had said the test had to be taken. So I needed to have all these little extra things given to me to support me with something I had created for myself, but I didn't know it. And when you don't know something like this, and your parents don't understand why you're doing it, the next best option, and even a counselor doesn't necessarily dive in deep enough, the next option is to go get it medicated. So I attempted to have myself medicated for the anxiety, and then I couldn't stay awake for my life. I was constantly going to sleep. So I was like, okay, well, I need to at least be awake. So how did I get out of it? Well, I met Steven. That's basically how I got out of it. I He would... He was so enthralled with wanting to spend every minute with me that he's like, let's study together. And every time we'd study together, he'd be like, you know this stuff. Like he could just tell, like, I just knew this stuff. And he's like, we're done studying. You're, you're fine. 
Like, no, no, like I have to really know. Like, Jenny, that's good enough. And so over the years, his saying good enough has helped me kick perfectionism to the curb. And it's helped a ton, a ton, a ton. But I needed that experience. So that's experience that was more like lifestyle, where it was very much part of my life. And it wasn't huge like Steve's. But we were both able to help each other and say, hmm, what are we creating? What have we put into motion with the universe that they're just giving us more of? Because that's what we say we want. Unfortunately, or fortunately, life is a series of cycles. We cycle through different emotions and thoughts and we take action based on the, the perspectives that we have. And there comes a moment when life stops working for us. When we, with those old perspectives and those old habits and those old feelings and things. And so in that breakdown, there's this invitation to break the cycle and to change. I had the chance to break that cycle as it pertains to, uh, to the financial stuff. Because I had created a situation where uh, I had lost everything that I had saved trying to get a business up and running. And then at least, and then we had great success with the business for a couple years. And then it became unsupportive for me to stay in that environment, just as it had become unsupportive for me to stay in the previous career that I had been in. And so I took another leap. I took another jump. Knowing that I was jumping, I had arranged for my to kind of say, okay, well, this is the safety net that I need. This is the time frame. But this time, I was literally stepping off the cliff and onto that Indiana Jones little path from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where she couldn't see the path, but he's standing over this huge chasm. And I was actually actually standing on it and saying, okay, well, here I am. I'm walking straight ahead and I'm not falling. The first time I jumped, I fell. The second time I was like, okay, I'm just walking with faith across this huge chasm of uncertainty. The big difference here was that you knew what God wanted you to do. You knew that he was going to be your CEO and direct you and you weren't going to run away like you did in the last episode. Yeah. You weren't going to run and need a second chance like Jonah Noel. You were like, no, I've got this. And even at that point, I was your word. I was the person you're like, you know, I don't really believe in this path anymore. I think you need to pass. And you're like, no, I am firmly planted in this invisible air with God at my side because I believe in the next steps. And I believe that I am here ready to cut the cycle. And if I listen to you, Jenny, I might repeat the cycle. And I was like, okay, yeah, I trust you. Hands off. Yeah. And it's been a, it's been a really interesting ride, but I'm so excited for what the future brings. And uh and there's so many amazing evidences that we are totally doing the right thing and we are now just beginning to now to like just take off. And I'm so excited for that. But that's an example of breaking the cycle and saying I am no longer going to create this story that Every couple years, I have to experience some financial struggle or some relationship struggle or some job struggle to, to, in order to progress. Instead, you can say when you come to that little chasm of uncertainty, instead of breaking down and falling into it, you walk with faith across the chasm. Standing as if you're in the air, but you're on this little narrow path and God has your hand. 
he totally has your hand. But if you are going to repeat the stories, then you're going to find yourself tumbling back down into that little chasm. And then at the bottom, you'll be like, okay, fine, God, I, I learned my lesson again. I'm all bump, I'm all bruised up and, and hurt and scabbed up. I'm ready to listen again. So what are your takeaways? Well, your takeaways are what stories do you love to tell people that are an indication you're wearing a badge of honor of pain or struggle? Or victimhood. Or victimhood. What are you what are you telling people about your life and what what painful stories do you repeat over and over and over again in your head, thus re-injuring yourself with that situation repeatedly? Yeah. Consider some of those ideas and consider some of the um, the stories that you tell yourself that actually scare you. Because those could be stories that are injuring yourself again and again and again. What are you afraid of? And couldn't you just face the fears and cut the cycle? So, super friends, time to break these cycles. And if you need help identifying and establishing routines in your life that help you break the cycle, well, that's what we're here for. So, it's been a fabulous time chatting. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye!